Welcome back or welcome to the creatives, everybody. Uh, I'm your host, Ramsey, joined today by Mr. Motion by Mike. Contrary to popular belief, his first name is not Motion, <laughs> it's Mike. <laughs> We're here today uh, in Midnight Hour Studios, who are an awesome sponsor of the show. Midnight Hour Studios is an awesome kind of blank canvas space that you can rent, and they have graciously sponsored the Creatives Podcast, and they're giving you, the listeners, uh, 25% off your first booking. So you can use discount code the creatives in the uh, upon checkout or when you're booking, and you'll get 25% off. All that information will be down in the description. Our other sponsor for today's show, which is powering the production, is Pano Media. Pano Media is an Ottawa video and drone service company um, specializing in commercial and real estate video production. So thank you to our sponsors, and thank you to our editor, Mr. Ryan Dennis. Um, Mike, I'll tell you a little bit about The Creatives before okay. we get started. Yeah. So basically, The Creatives was, it's a project, a little side project, and I wanted to explore some of the people, uh, a lot of the people in Ottawa, because right. I feel like there's a lot of really cool people in the city. Absolutely, there is, yeah. And, but they're all in different areas, but we all kind of know who we, each other is. Yeah. The goal was to basically see how we are all alike, because we are much more alike than we are different, and the more I do this, yeah. the more I realize how much more alike we are um, than we are different. So it's been interesting to explore people's um, perspectives and people's processes on life and on creativity. And it's taken us to conversations with people in the like the film and video space, the photo okay. space, uh, the vintage clothing space, spirituality. So wow. it's been a music as well. And now today, joined by yourself, yep. you are a video creator from what I gather. I am, yeah. Nice. So uh, before we dive in, we're going to go all in. I want to have a couple things I want to ask you. Sure, yeah. Fire uh, away. Yeah. No, it's, there's, there's, there's more than a couple. I have lots of notes. <laughs> <laughs> I assumed there would be, yeah. Yeah. So before we dive in, I'll tell you a little bit about me. Um, I'm 26 years old. I was born in London, UK, and oh. I came to Ottawa. Well, my parents brought us to here in 2004, and yeah. I've always loved like working with my hands and like technical stuff yeah. and that just Same. naturally led me to the world of cameras and video because there's so many moving pieces and little parts that I can geek out about. So yeah, naturally that's how I ended up. And now I do video production full time Yeah, and it has led us here to this exact conversation. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. So, um, basically yeah, video, video production is just, it's just like the never ending onion that you keep peeling. <laughs> <laughs> you just keep going the best analogy, one yeah. layer deeper, one layer deeper, one layer deeper. So that's enough about me, Mike. What uh, I want to know what makes you creative and just, you know, a little intro to who you are for the listener. Yeah, absolutely. So I was actually born in uh, BC. Nice. I came here when I was five. So I didn't spend a lot of time there. Uh, I'm actually just about to turn 42 tomorrow. Wow. Tomorrow's my birthday. You look great. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I feel nothing, nothing older than 41. Uh, I never wanted to be in an office. Like I could never do like a sit down job. I did car sales for six months when I was in my early twenties. Yeah. And because I thought that's what you should do. And mm -hmm. I absolutely hated it. So other than that, I was been a bartender for 20 years. I was a DJ every 20 years. I was into music production and that's kind of the same thing. You I want to be hands on. I always had to be like doing something like just mm -hmm. reading and typing all day. It was just, well, it was like, I couldn't ever do it. Like I can never do it. Like it's not something I want to do. Yeah. So in video or sorry, in music production, I wanted to create something to go along with the video or, or with the music. So I'm 
the next transition would be video. I'm like, well, let's make a video for the song I'm making. And, you know, I kind of started becoming obsessed with just the video part alone. And then as I started getting some client work, people were like, oh, your videos look cool. Let's do some stuff together. The music production took so long compared to the video mm-hmm. that I'm like, okay, forget it. I stopped doing music production like as a whole. Like I just stopped cold and then I focused mostly on video or only on video. And then I just, it just spiraled out of control. Like it's kind of like the onion thing. It's like I started with the one layer and doing things for little here people, yeah. little people here and there. And then now I just like, just nonstop. And it's great because you just, you're always learning and I'm obsessed with the same thing as like the, the hands-on is like, mm-hmm. okay, great. Every single video is something new and I can learn something new every single time. Gear is always changing. Things are always changing. So it's like this constant exploration and it's this constant learning experience that I absolutely love because, you know, I, obsessed with learning new things so mm-hmm. this particular career you never stop like it never stops when you get to the pinnacle there'll be new things every year every day like it's amazing it's like overwhelming also but yeah. still amazing yeah. <laughs> it's definitely overwhelming because the yeah. new camera comes out every three days i feel like i try not to yeah every three days i i, I like stop buying cameras i'm like they're good enough yeah we don't oh, need i don't yeah. need more cameras um, well, you can never have, you never have <laughs> I, i'm more interested in lights i know you're very interested in lights yes. too because um I can't remember exactly how I heard about you, but it was through the internet, the lovely place called Instagram. Yeah. And turns out pretty much everyone that I think I don't know, turns out I probably know them because we have a <laughs> mi- like at least one to 10 people in common that we both know. And that's yeah, kind of a small circle. It's a very small community and there's a lot of cool people, but I found you through uh, some of the reels you were making. Yeah. And I like those like random not random, but like you just like switch on all the different lights that you had yeah, in your yeah. set and then you kind of break it down, which I found pretty interesting. Yeah. It's, those are, those are more for, to test for myself. Right. Yeah. And at one point I realized I'm doing this, I'm setting it up and recording a video so I can see what it looks like for my client the next day, for example. Okay. And I realized why wouldn't I use this opportunity and do mm-hmm. two birds, one stone. So I was like the test the day before. So it's like set up my equipment, make sure everything works, make sure I get the look I want for that client the next day. And then I'll record a reel the same day. Yeah. Cause I'm like, okay, why wouldn't I use this opportunity? And that's why I started doing the reels in the first place. And I kind of just gave up that mentality where it's like, it's not good enough. I'm like, this is exactly what I'm going to do for someone tomorrow. So why wouldn't I do it for myself? Yeah. It's always that extra bit of time commitment that like deters. Oh me. yeah. Cause you're like, Oh, this is going to add an hour or this is going to add 30 yeah. minutes. And then it, it just deters me. And then the idea just dissipates. But, I agree. Yeah. Um, I know you mentioned one of your YouTube videos, like your one of your recent videos, how, you were just talking about the setup similar to what you just said, how you're just like, screw it. I'm just going to film it. Like, yeah. I'm just going to do it. Like it's really doesn't that you were holding the mic in your hand. Like, it wasn't <laughs> yeah. even, it wasn't even over the top, but it was informative and it was good. Like how did you struggle to get to that point? Like, were you always doubting yourself? I struggle all the time. Okay. Like I, it's, it's the dumbest hurdle. And I look at some YouTube videos that have like millions of views and they're mm-hmm. in my opinion, not great at all. Yeah. Right. But they have a message. The person was brave enough to get out there and get it done and just put it out there. And then you realize that nothing's ever perfect. And if you obsess with it being perfect, you'll never be done ever. Mm-hmm. Like, so giving up that little bit of control, giving up the fact that like, you know, holding the mic isn't something that I find ideal is, I don't know, it's enlightening. It makes you feel better as a person. Then you're kind of okay with it at that point, right? Yeah. Just getting it done, like get it done and put it out there. And then just get a real that nobody really cares. Mm-hmm. No one's gonna be like, I can't believe he put that light that way. 
And yeah. if someone does, then they're kind of a jackass anyway. Yeah. Right? Like, but if they're, if they're analyzing that closely, I, I think that's an amazing thing because then they're really picking apart your video. And I just, I thank them at that point. Yeah, no, that's great. Like it's thank the same thing as like making a mistake all the time. You, you learn and then you're like, okay, people are engaging. Like, mm -hmm. you know, obviously I'm doing something right. Cause this person who thinks I'm doing this wrong is watching it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they'll probably watch the next video too. And yeah. I don't know. It's That's, it's the time for for me. It's the not that I don't have time, but it's the that extra time on top of already the work that I'm doing in the video yeah. world, yeah. and then it's like I I almost run out of energy to go and make my own content at well, the you, end. Yeah. Like, you're how doing, do you feel about that? I I totally agree with that because you're making videos all the time, right? Like mm -hmm. you're full time, just like I am. So you make videos all week, and the last thing you kind of want to do is make another video, mm -hmm. even though it's for you and it's should be fun. It's I don't know. It's exhausting. It's still kind of work. Yeah. But sometimes you look at it and you realize, or if you time yourself setting up, for example, mm -hmm. if you time the setup and you time how long it takes you to make the thing and you put the hours together, you're like, it's not that long, mm -hmm. right? Like you can make a video if you're, you know, proficient with the speaking and kind of have an idea. You can make a video in a few hours and be done. Yeah. Like start to finish, set up, shoot, edit, and then, post. I don't know. I'm a big thing. My big thing in my life is the more you practice something, the better you get at it. Mm -hmm. And everything takes a long time to learn and everything takes a long time in general. So if you keep doing the same thing that you hate, like I don't love making videos for myself. I find it a necessary evil, but I'm starting to enjoy it. And I think the better I get at it, the more I'll enjoy it. So I got to get through that like hard curve of like just getting it done. And it goes back to that, that point, just getting it done. It's not mm -hmm. perfect. And then eventually you'll just be so good at it that you can like rhyme them out like, five a week and kind of be done. Yeah. You know, I mean, you'll have an inspiration. You'll set up lights real quick and it's almost like doing it more motivates you more. Like the yeah. more you do it, the more you want to do it. But it's almost like it's become like a necessary baseline to yeah. be an on camera figure, not like just to exist digitally in the video space. Yeah. Puts you, it puts you at an advantage, not that it's necessary, but it definitely puts you at an advantage when you are, you know, that multidimensional. Well, I you find. look at, you look at what you do for your clients, right? Mm -hmm. Like you look at some clients and they want to do like, say they'll do batch reels or batch videos and then they'll right. make a whole bunch of videos at once. And a lot mm -hmm. of the stuff's like just kind of, you know, regular run of the mill, nothing spectacular reels, but they're just constantly reminding their clients that they exist mm -hmm. so that when those clients need to call on them, they're top of mind. Yeah. Right. So they're like, okay, well I'm going to get this realtor because I see their videos every day and I forgot about everybody else. Yeah. You know, they might forget like a family member is a realtor because now these people are like in your face all the time. They're like, okay, well obviously they're professional because they're doing it all the time. Yeah. Right. And that's like what we should be doing. Cause they're like, Hey, I remind you that I do video all the time. Like, look at me, look at me, look at me. Lee. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it, it's, it feels weird, but it's like what you got to do. Yeah. It's good. It's that the initial barrier is a bit tricky. Um, but Mike, I want to, so I understand you're into like, the the type of stuff you film is like kind of commercial yep. weddings products like which of those do you like most and have i missed any any that you film no i actually kind of stopped shooting weddings because uh they're so stressful i agree <laughs> the, it's great money at the end of the day but it's like the most stressful shoot you could do because anything can go wrong and it's not like photography i've done photography for weddings for 10 years too and if you miss one shot you can just get the next one but if you miss like the start of a speech or you're not there for a moment and you only get the second half of it. There's no context. And then you're, Oh my God, it's so stressful. Yeah. Did you shoot weddings for a while? Did I you do it for a while. So do photography. We still do it. Um, so that's about 10 years. I shot weddings videos for maybe three years. Okay. And I've, I've only done maybe like 10, 15. Nice. Cause I had to, you know, balance with the photography. 
And they're great. They all turned out great. But like for those like two weeks of editing where I'm like, I feel like a failure until it's done. I'm like, I can't, I can't deal with this. And on the day of, I'm like sprinting around. So with that being said, I do like the commercial stuff better. Okay. There's a little more of a plan. You can like take the time to set it up to look better. Like you can do the lighting right. Like you can do scene to scene. Like I like that better. Mm-hmm. I also like thinking of my feet. So I like the commercial video with a good general idea. And mm-hmm. then I can just fly through it. Nice. Right. So some realtors that I work with, they do like fun kind of commercial concept videos as opposed to like listing videos. It's still a listing video in the back end, but it's more creative. Right. And I love working with those clients because they usually have a great idea. They come up with the idea. They have what they want to shoot. And then I just fill in the blanks as far as like cinematography goes. Yeah. And that with, sounds very know. similar to some of the stuff that I do. Yeah. With realtors. I've seen your stuff. Yeah. It's the same stuff, but like, yeah. that's those realtors are great. They're on like the cutting edge and it's fun for us. And then yeah. if we're having fun, they're having fun. Then the clients are like, I love these people. Yeah. I want to work with them. One of the best feelings is when you start to work with a new person like within video and then they start to understand and grasp how yeah, the whole process yeah, yeah. works and then they start coming up with ideas then oh, i'm like that's it's oh. the best it's one of the best things that um like a like a client or someone you're filming can do because it's just like then you have double the creative ideas you bring all the technical they bring the it's it's my favorite thing yeah like i i have a few clients like that and you're like <clears throat> what are you doing today you don't have to call them before you don't really have to like, do too much pre-production because like they know what they want and they know how to get it done and they know you can do it for them and then you have your advice here and there and you're like, yeah, great. That's amazing. I love that so much. Yeah. So do you have any ties in like the film industry or are you primarily like video production? No, I've done, uh, I was in a music video once like a long time ago, just so I could see it happen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I've been around it, but I don't know. There's a lot of moving parts of that. And I like to have like that air of control. Yeah. I find on the big film productions, like you're a tiny cog in a wheel Yeah. and like, you're just doing like one thing, like. I've done a couple of things where I was like gaffer or whatever, and you kind of just like do it and then you sit and you wait and you do it, you sit and you wait. And I don't love that as much. I like to kind of have full control. Mm-hmm. So it's wicked and I, I respect everybody that does it, but I'm not sure if that's for me. Like I think totally maybe if I could just be DP or director or something, but like it's a, it's a big step from yeah. what I do now. Well, it's not a really big step, but to get to that giant it, production. Yeah. And now in that world, you need years of building to yeah, get like to those titles. Yeah, like we do it all now. We wear all the hats now. Yeah, you're director DP. But it's a different form of like okay. hierarchy, I guess. No, I get it. So where did you pick up all the things you know? I mean, you have a pretty like deep understanding of how to light scenes and how to like, you know, compose videos. Like where did you learn all that? Uh, I self-taught myself, right? So uh, it's a lot of YouTube, a lot of trial and error. Yeah. Like a lot of mistakes. Like yeah. a lot like of taking I always take on a job even if I think I can't do it. And I'm like, okay, I have to learn before the day the job starts. Yeah. So it's just yeah, just I'm obsessed with it. So it's a lot of like deep dives, like mm-hmm. learning, testing at home. So that's where the reels come in, that's where YouTube videos come in. So I'm like, I wanna see if I can pull this off. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the onion again, like always trying to get better, like peeling it back, trying to get to the middle. The onion. But you'll never get to the middle of the onion. You'll never get to the you'll middle. You'll cry a lot, but you'll never get to the middle. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> everything in life is, the more that like time progresses, the more I realize everything's an onion. Everything's like, an onion. Dude. Just when you think it's you. my favorite thing that just, ever happened. Just when you think you, you know it. Yeah. It's just around this corner. I'm going to get the, it. The tears stopped and then. Well, even, I only started doing YouTube videos like, well, I've done three this year. I look three back, like. Two months ago, and I'm like, why did I, this looks like garbage compared to the one I did now. So like in three videos, I learned so much. Mm-hmm. And like, that's a video. Like I had a client, uh, we did a shoot mm-hmm. last year and they weren't prepared for their videos. Like they didn't, I don't know, they weren't confident. They couldn't get their lines. It was such a struggle on my end because I knew it wasn't going well. Mm-hmm. 
and I know sometimes you probably feel this too. If you encourage them or push them too much, it gets worse. Yeah. And we had a limited amount of time and they did, you know, their four interviews, whatever, and they weren't awesome. And then we reshot it because it didn't go well, right? Like they didn't love it. I didn't love it, but it is, it was what it was. So we reshot it. And then even in the reshoot, looking at the videos and the difference, I'm like, wow, this is like, it's so much better in the course of like a month just because something I learned or I got a new light or something. And I'm like, wow, like you, it's such a crazy slope of learning for video. Yeah. Once you get it, you can like pick up on things. And like, I'm sure you watch a movie and you're like, how did they do this? And then you have to figure out how they did it. And then you use that in practical. It's, yeah. It's crazy. Pause how the movie. Yeah. How did they like this scene? It's like, crazy. I'm always, I'm always overanalyzing. Sometimes overanalyzing. Sometimes yeah. it's fun. It can get annoying. It, my, it's, it's annoying <laughs> to my girlfriend. She hates it. I'm like, Oh my God, they must put a light outside. She's like, I don't care. Yeah, my girlfriend, because I'll tell her, like, that's not real sun. Like, that's sunlight yeah, coming through the window. The that, same that's thing not real. She's, all the time. She's like, way to ruin the, way to ruin the show. But, like, yeah. it, it doesn't make sense. There's two suns sometimes in a scene. You'll see giant bright sun yes. come through one window and then another window. And it's like, there's only one Continuity, sun. Continuity, guys. Continuity. Yeah, but it's, it's funny how people who are into this kind of, like, into lighting will analyze that i think that's what helps yeah. you well, that's what helps me to, to kind of get better is to analyze lighting yeah and even this podcast like we've shot in this exact space maybe five times now six times yeah and no two lighting setups have been the same they've always been slightly well, different that's, that's the fun of it right yeah like trying challenging yourself so mm -hmm. you can do it different yeah exactly um so mike i wanted to ask you kind of about like your creative process like how for for, for making videos whether it be client or personal what is kind of your, your process? Well, I kind of like to think of like the end game for each video. Okay. So like what, um, maybe what message you want to get across, like what message you want to get across, who the video is targeted at. Yeah. And just kind of the general aesthetic of what you want to do. So for client work, for example, I usually ask them like, well, what, where are you going to show it? Like, what do you want to portray? Like, are you trying to sell a product? Are you trying to sell yourself? Do you like, there's a million questions you ask people, right? Yeah. And then the same for my videos, like what message do I want to get and how do I want to get there? So I kind of like to work backwards because you always want to have that arc, right? Like the intro, the bulk of it, and then you want to have something at the end. I hate videos that just kind of end. So the creative process would be like, what message do you want to get? How are you going to close it? And then you figure out how to get to that point. Right. It's like some of the best movies you've ever seen. Like they have this like crazy arc and then they hit this like amazing point and then the video like wraps up so nicely and you're like, oh my God, like this is kind of what I want to achieve. Like a good commercial does that too, right? Like yeah. You're kind of intrigued. It's funny. and. <clears throat> serious i don't know and then uh, yeah i just work backwards i guess i like that so then when once you kind of have that message whether it be for selling something or entertaining i guess do you then like that helps you develop the concept yeah so then if, if the message is to say like uh support sure microphones they're great microphones for example yeah then you try to work backwards okay like why are they great what? yeah then you do like a compliment sandwich you wouldn't want to do it all fluff right so you'd find mm -hmm. all the best things that the microphone has mm -hmm. then you maybe have something it has to work with uh, just so people can relate mm -hmm. and then you'd i don't know it would be tricky to do a microphone one i'd have to think about it but it's really situational right like it depends on what it is like immediately so if it's a microphone i would want to know sound i'd want to know what it sounded like and mm -hmm. why i would buy it like right. why would you want to buy this microphone or another microphone because it's not a cheap microphone right yeah but it's like the industry standard for stuff like this. Then mm -hmm. you want to be like, well, why? So you always ask the question, like, kind of want to answer the who, what, when, or why. So like, why would I buy this microphone would be the question I would mm -hmm. pose. Right. And then I do a bunch of scenarios where this microphone excelled at and what it's for. So then, then you're at the what, 
So like it's for podcasts, it's for having the best sound without having to do too much in post or things like that. And then you just refine it down to backwards, right? So you introduce it, you're like, why do I want to buy this microphone? Why is this microphone so great? Mm -hmm. And then you go into the reasons why, and then maybe the reasons why you wouldn't buy it, and then you wrap it up. I like that. And then initially, like, (laughs) so then my brain starts going, right? So initially, I think it would lead in with, like, just lips close to the microphone, like, real tight end. You'd be like, why does this microphone sound so good? And then (laughs) people are intrigued. You're like, all right, this guy's got me kind of thing. Yeah. You got that hook, and it goes back to, like, music production, I guess. Mm -hmm. You get the hook, then you get the meat of it, and then kind of goes away for a minute, then it comes back strong, and then it ends. Do you find that your, like, roots in music production help you with video? I found it helped me a lot with editing. Yeah. Because editing a video and editing a song or composing a song is the same. Like you kind of get introduction, you get the bulk of it, and then you have something that takes you away for a second, then you come right back and then the video should end. Mm-hmm. And it's the exact same as music production. Even like the editing, like laying it out and like the, the timeline is the same. Yeah. And it was like, I was like, I understand this immediately. So it picked it up like right away. Yeah. Plus you, I imagine it, it helps you just like when you're selecting music yeah. for videos because you have a better sense of what matches yeah. what you're filming or what you're like, what's on screen. Right. Yeah. And I find too, a lot of people don't use the song to their advantage. Mm-hmm. So there'll be parts of the song where it kind of goes up and down. Like it's a song. Right. But if you have certain parts of the video hitting in the right point, in the song, it really exemplifies or really amplifies parts of your video and makes your video way better mm-hmm. on like a subconscious level. Cause then everything's like syncing up and hitting like for real estate, for example, if you're yeah. using like speed ramps or something like that, if you hit, a speed ramp when the note hits then you're kind of entering that room and you feel like you're entering the room as opposed to like if it just goes whenever and it's like the standard real estate terrible youtube song and it's just like you know guitar or whatever. Like, <laughs> i know exactly i can like, like picture that song. drives me insane that's when i started filming real estate that was like my recipe yeah. it's like corporate business artless like it works like, and like it's it, like the the same song just like played slightly differently oh i've done work with realtors who just use the same song for everything they have one song and it's oh, always no. like it's a trademark, but I'm like, don't. No, I, can't. <laughs> I like to use some songs. Like if it's an ongoing series, I'll use the same intro outro. Yeah. Oh, piece. definitely. Like for this podcast, we have a intro outro song that we use. Some, something like that. Yeah. But yeah. Every right. house is different. Like mm-hmm. for realtor stuff, like if it's a big, exciting condo in the top, like it yeah. looks sick. You can want like better music than like a yeah. country guitar for yeah. a country house kind of thing. Do you enjoy shooting uh, real estate? Like shooting homes? I do. What I don't, uh, I like it because it's pretty quick and easy and I'm doing it for, I only do it for a couple clients because mm-hmm. I don't want to get like immersed in it, but uh, I like it because it's usually quick and easy Yeah, and it's like a straightforward kind of thing and then you just get better and better and better at it. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I like it for that. And I like seeing houses. I like seeing different properties and things because it's, I don't know, I like to do that in general. So getting yeah. paid to do it is great. Yeah, I agree. But then I don't like it because realtors call you like 24 seven, like it'd be 11 o'clock at night that I can shoot tomorrow. I'm like, no, I'm a human being and I'm in bed, so no. <laughs> I shoot tomorrow and I need it done in the same day. It, it's such a quick turnaround, which I, I love. Like I like getting yeah. it done, but I also hate getting calls on Sunday mornings and yeah, you know, I agree. Monday late at night. It is it is cool entering different homes and you know yeah. I've shot you know several hundred homes in the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, but I found what it, the biggest thing for me it was like a boot camp with my camera and I would it, I shot every house handheld on the Black Magic handheld handheld rigged out with uh-huh. a with an ultra wide lens at like pretty much infinity focus and then just like simple like push in 
pull out, like, sorry, dolly in, dolly yeah, out, yeah. using foreground elements to, like, accentuate the movement or you just handheld it. handheld it the entire way. And then I'd shoot yeah. it at 50 frames per second and stabilize so. it in post. And that, like, exercise in just, like, you know, hands-on, like, boot camp yeah, with a yeah. camera. Oh, my God, yeah. It gave me so much kind of confidence to, like... Well, you learn how your body... Like, you learn the muscles you need to do it. Yeah. Every single time, you get better and better and better. That's yeah. crazy. Like, <laughs> I think the first couple I did... I had like, I brought a slider with like two tripods and was like doing room to room. And the realtor's like, can you hurry? Five out? hours later. Like, what are, you, what are you doing? And then I got a gimbal and then I realized I could do everything in like 20 minutes. And mm-hmm. real, real estate is nice because they don't care really. They don't ask too much for edits. They don't ask for anything. They're like, great, I don't care. Like as long as it's done, yeah. this video is going to be off in a week anyways. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's the nice part about it because there's not a lot of like extra care put into it. Yeah. It's also something I hate because then you kind of mess it up and you're like, well, I don't care. And then you feel bad as a person. And <laughs> the house is mad at you. Yeah. The house knows you messed it up. That's cool. Though. That's, uh, I've definitely gone in like, like just film an apartment building with like a full Dana Dolly with six foot pipes. And <laughs> it was a nightmare. Like it was a more of a commercial and we had a bit more of a budget. So I was like, yeah, we're getting a Dolly. The next shoot, I literally put the camera on a gimbal and I was like, we're not getting oh a God. Dolly again for this. This is too ridiculous. It serves a purpose. Like some real estate deserves that. Like right. Look at like Ryan Serhant. You know who that is? Yes, of course. And you you kind of look like him a little bit. <laughs> Just a little. I'll, I'll take it. But you look at Cody Boone. That's the guy who does his videos. And he's yeah. got like a Komodo. And, oh, no, he's, he uses Blackmagic too. But he's, okay. he's got the same thing. He's got a fully, racked out, or fully uh, rigged out Blackmagic. And he's like setting it up with like a full team. And they're doing like a wow. listing video. But these things are selling for like $50 million. So he's probably getting paid justifiably to do it right i see that the reasoning there mm-hmm. but yeah for regular that, that's why i do handheld because i find even the gimbal was too much setup for me i like whip the camera out of the bag pretty much already rigged out yeah slap a battery and a monitor on it and i could film a house in like 20 minutes 25 I, minutes see i love handheld i'll say handheld unless somebody specifically asks for a gimbal yeah real estate i feel like a lot of stuff like the way i shoot needs a gimbal right and they want it and like like i always bring it i always use it but yeah Unless someone asks for it, I never bring it. I love a handheld look so much better. And you can do more with it. Mm-hmm. I find like, you know, get down low real quick. And yeah, exactly. Get creative real quick. Um, yeah, man, that's cool. So I want to ask you, Mike, what's, what are some things that you find challenging uh, or things that are, you're challenged by like, and you're constantly trying to improve them or still trying to figure it out? I find um, mentally sometimes is my big challenge. Okay. Like I'll shoot a big project and more often than not, I'll be like, could have done this way better okay and i think it's the same struggle with a lot of uh creators who do in the video space it's like the struggle is like i hate this this sucks so much and then you kind of edit you're like i'm the best person in the world then you're like oh no i hate this so much like look the next day and then it finally gets out and it's it's pretty good but i find that's one of my biggest struggles is the mental struggle it's like okay i just have like a lot of self-doubt sometimes Mm -hmm. i always get through it i know i have to get it done but i have that struggle Mm -hmm. especially for videos with myself because there's no pressure to get it done so like I was filming a video today and halfway through, I was like, nope. And I just kind of scrapped it. Really? I've been working on it for hours. Like I'll, I'll finish it another day. But like I had my, my brain's like, nope, you're just, nope. you're done for today. Like got out. And then I know if I'm having a mental struggle shooting it and it's me like being the person, right. I know that it's going to come across that way. And I'm like, okay, I'll just wait till my better mood and I'll do it. Yeah. Other than that, I think, uh, I don't reach out enough to people. Okay. Last year, I got a lot of calls, like too many calls, and it never stopped, so I never had to do any like kind of groundwork. And this month, last January is usually slow anyways, but 
you know, I haven't shot that much. I've only had like five things. And in my mind, I'm like, oh my God, that's it. Like you're done now. Like this is the end of your career. <laughs> I know it's a slow month and I know it, but I'm like, okay, you got to start reaching out. And I think reaching out is something that you should do. Like stuff like this is reaching out to me. Right. Like just communicating with people like mm -hmm. is one of the biggest things you can do. And I think I just need to do more of that. Yeah. More networking, I guess would be the thing. Yeah. That's cool. The, um, the mental struggle and like the self doubt is challenging because I feel like you're always your biggest critic. You're the biggest obstacle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, it's, it's interesting to hear that, you know, you're someone who actually goes out on camera, but you, you're still, you still find it challenging. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's where you find the, the limitations of yourself, like mentally yeah. when you start getting uncomfortable. And yeah. putting yourself in those situations and you're like, oh crap, I don't like this. And well, that's why I do it too. Like if I, I know if I'm uncomfortable, I know that there's progress to be made. Right. Right. Cause I know that's an area of my life or my mentality that I'm not great at. Mm -hmm. And I know that if it's hard, it's worth doing. Yeah. Right. So it's like, say going to the gym, for example. Absolutely. You start going to the gym and it, it sucks. Like it's, it's painful to go, like literally painful to go. And yeah, it takes a few weeks to get into it, but then you start getting better at it and then you start loving it. And then it's like, you're a pro at it and you can go like six days a week and you feel great. Yeah. Right. I feel like that's the same kind of mentality you can transfer to anything. And I know that making videos for myself and I know that struggling through it is going to get better eventually. Mm -hmm. And then when it does get better, I'll feel great. And I feel like I accomplished something more so the mental hurdle rather than like getting a bunch of videos out there. It's like, now I know I can do it. And I have that like extra skill set or confidence that I didn't have before. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah, no, I feel that the, the, it's, it's the boot camp. That's yeah, exactly the, the repetitions is, yeah. of doing it. That's, that's what makes it easier. Um, what was I going to say? So in those situations where like your, your creative energy is low or you're not like you're having those kind of mental struggles or blocks, like what do you do? Do you have any methods to recharge your, your batteries? I think the biggest thing to do is accept that you're going to have bad days. Okay. You accept that sometimes things aren't going to go your way and you don't have to always be on. Mm -hmm. So I find when I'm having a mental block or I'm having not the best day, I'll do something uh, peripheral to it. Okay. So I'll clean the house. I'll do all the laundry I have to do. I'll clean my gear. I'll clean the studio. I'll clean just in general. Cause then I know that when my headspace gets better, all that back end stuff's done. And then I feel great that I didn't write the day off. You mean I didn't like, sit down, do nothing. I'm like, at least I did something today. Yeah. And then you're better off as like just an individual as a person or like you go to the gym or do something that will make you feel better or just make your life better in general. Mm -hmm. And then at least when you come back around to it, your life is better. Your life's more organized. Yeah. I like that. Productive procrastination is, <laughs> that's exactly is, what it, is a yeah. thing. I, I picked it up when I was in university. I was like, it's amazing. Yeah. I had to study, but you know, oh, this is a great time to clean my desk. It's <laughs> because I have to study. Yeah, but it, uh, yeah, it's great. It but it's easy. good. It, it ended up yeah. working out. I mean, I, yeah. I graduated, so I think it worked. <laughs> <laughs> I think it worked. Graduated yeah. and ran right into making videos for a living. What did you take? Economics. Does it help you with your video? It helps me with the business side of, the, of everything. So learning about yeah. taxation and finances helped me to wrap my head around owning like an incorporated business and then operating and transacting and communicating. And I picked up a lot of writing skills when I was in university, but nice. it, like I really, and in terms of like, if I were to go work in that field, I don't right, really yeah. know, I, I have a lot to learn. 
I would, I would have a lot to learn for sure. That's, oh, that's great though. That's great. That's a great thing about this business is there's always a lot to learn. Yeah. Especially as like a, uh, an owner operator. Right. You have to learn everything. Like mm-hmm. I remember three years ago when I paid my taxes for the first time after doing like full time video, I'm like, what? <laughs> you want all the money? I- okay. <laughs> you take all the money I made. Thanks. It, it hurt. I remember that first year. Here's all the HST I collected and here's income tax. It's so weird. Eh? You have money in the bank now. You're like, this is not my money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's shows in my, in my account and it looks cool. Yeah. But it's not my, I'm mind. just holding on to yeah. it for the government. Thank yeah. Guys. Thanks for nothing. Thanks for nothing. So, um, you, you own operate everything like yeah. you work with people or do you kind of all subcontract sometimes like it's not subcontract. I'll have people work with me cause like I can't do some streets all by myself. Right. And then I, I usually just hire local creatives. Nice. Like I work with a bunch of just people I've known for a while or people mm-hmm. I've met through like just, you know, networking and yeah, I love doing that cause it's like you're helping somebody else out, then you get to meet them and then you're developing this like relationship with them. And then once in a while they'll call you to help. And then mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah, I know. It's awesome. There's a lot of cool people and everyone has like a unique, everyone brings something unique to the table. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I think, I don't know. I always imagine like one day having every single podcast guest that I've had in this space so we can all meet each other. <laughs> it's, it's an amazing idea. Yeah. Well, especially in the video space, there's a very small network of people, especially mm-hmm. like at the caliber once you just pass like kind of hobbyists yeah. and you get to the Calgary of clients, stuff like that, there's not a ton of people in the city. They could do it. No, there's a million photographers, like especially wedding photographers. There's like, I swear to God, 5,000 <laughs> photographers in the city. But when it comes to video, just because the investment is so much higher, yeah, it's such a small circle. Like just the investment, even the gear here is like more than most people want to spend. Yeah. Right. Like you're a business owner. So obviously you spent more and you need it for your business. But a lot of people that do video, like on the side, they can't afford all this stuff and they don't know where to put it. And, they don't know how to use it. You're oh, it's scared. terrifying. Yeah. Like you're spending tens of thousands of dollars on, yeah. on equipment. But the amazing thing is these cameras, once they're paid off and these lights, once yeah. they're paid off, they, they just generate endless That's revenue the until they stop working. That's and why I invested in a cinema camera to begin with. Cause Canon had like 0% financing for a while. Wow. And, uh, that. I priced out the C200 at the time, mm-hmm. which was a $10,000 camera or 8,000 to change like 10,000 with tax and batteries and whatever. And I was like, that's crazy. I'm never going to pull one of those. And then I priced it out. It was $300 a month mm-hmm. for three years to finance it, 0%. And I'm like, I can make $300 a month yeah. with this camera. Like no problem. And then I own it at the end. So I'm like, okay, this is a no brainer. And then I kind of got the value of purchasing high end gear. Cause especially in the video space, like if you have really good equipment and people look really good, you know how to use it. It'll pay itself back. Yeah. And I find it makes your life easier like oh, as a creator hundred percent when you have these like video cameras that can just have like beautiful looking footage. It doesn't need a whole lot of right. post production. Yeah. Um, you don't have to fix it in post, yeah. which fix is the it. greatest thing ever. Fix it in pre always yeah. <laughs> if you can. Well, there's nothing better than shooting it and lighting it properly and then getting back and be like tiny tweaks, but like I'm, I, the bulk of it is done. Yeah. Right. I just have to put this puzzle together and then, yeah, that's great. That's why commercial I like, cause it's a lot of setups, it's a lot of pre-production. And then you shoot it and it's awesome. It looks great. And you get home and you're like, I already know what this is supposed to look like because yeah. we planned it ahead of time. And then it's tweaking it. You know, you spend time editing it, but it's more like just refining the product that you made beforehand. Yeah. That's cool. I, I've, I heard once a story or a video was created, like it's written three times. It's written in the script in the shooting and then the edit. Oh, that's, that's a good way to put it. So, cause it could be, it, it will vary in each of those stages of production. Yeah, like absolutely. You can write it one way and then once it's finished, it'll, it'll never be exactly as you wrote it because no unforeseen circumstances and just things come up. Right. That's like, I, I started scripting videos for myself. That's mm-hmm. 
okay, at one point, and I'm like, I'd hate this, right? Because I, I just felt robotic. I felt mechanical. So now I just usually have an idea in the back of my head, and I'll do like five takes, and then I'll be like, okay, that's the one I did. Just roll with it. I roll with it, yeah. Nice. I have a general idea of what I do. Yeah. Um, Mike, I wanted to touch on some your fascination with lights. I've yeah. seen some of your YouTube videos and the way you kind of break down your lighting setups. Like, can you tell me about how you wound up owning the entire fleet of aperture lights? And <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so cameras are great. Cameras yeah. do a specific job, and then the cameras end there. Yeah. A new camera comes out every year, and they all do the same thing, right? They'll be slightly better each year. It's like a new iPhone. It's mm-hmm. like slightly better. Yeah. And I saw an end to that. I'm like, well, I can buy cameras to the end of time, but it must be doing the same thing. And then I started watching a bunch of videos on different people using lighting and I started watching movies and watching movies my whole life. And I'm like, I realized that my productions can get better if the lighting got better. And then lighting is something that you literally always need. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to get a camera that can change the way that light hits a person's face. Like that's never going to be no, something that happens. So if you can learn to master light, then you can learn to make your productions better without having to buy new cameras all the time. And your cameras could almost get worse yeah. if your lighting got better. And then kind of like a light bulb went off, no pun intended, that uh, <laughs> if I could master lighting or master and learn how light works, then that would be something in my toolkit that a lot of people wouldn't have. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when you get into it, you're like, you have to buy the camera first and then that's your baby. That's what you focus on. But if you can learn all the peripherals, I don't know. I feel like you're better off for it. And like the lights, I have a couple of really high end lights and they're not going to go away. They're not going to change. Like light doesn't change. No lighting ideas might change, but I can just manipulate that with the same lighting I have. Mm-hmm. And then I, don't, I, I just find that the idea of it makes everything better. So then I obviously become obsessed because I love to learn about everything and just the idea of getting, high-end lights and be able to do high-end productions if I want to is awesome. And it, it really helps with like a lot of challenging environments as well. Like if you have a client that wants to shoot at noon, for example, you know, like a, a little light, like a 200D, for example, like in a, an AMRA 200D probably won't cut it depending on where it is. Mm-hmm. But if you had a more powerful light and you knew how to use it, then you could shoot at any time of the day. Yeah, exactly. It opens a lot of doors. It opens a lot of possibilities. And I don't know. I just, I find ever since I started using them more and learning more Mm -hmm. those little things that people don't notice that make the shots look better is kind of why I did it. Yeah. You can even manipulate like natural light to use it to your advantage. Well, Um, the more you learn, the more you learn about just like high end kind of lighting and like mm -hmm. professional lighting, you start seeing it in your day to day. Like I'm sure you do the same thing in my house at certain times of day, the light comes in and it's like the absolute greatest thing ever. I'm like, if I can make this happen artificially, and never have to worry about it changing, then, you know, my life would be way better. Yeah. Then you just have a permanent, beautiful sunset, <laughs> just rig a 600 watt light right outside your window yeah. forever. <laughs> so oh, it's always golden I'm just, hour. <laughs> I'm just waiting for it to the day. We're doing construction our yard right now, so I can't put um, anything out there. Oh, crap. Because it's just kind of exposed to like the street and I don't want to put my expensive lights like yeah. people just running around. <laughs> Not that they're going to, but I don't know. Just, there's no privacy right now. So I'm like, I don't want to set up a 600X outside and yeah. have all my neighbors be like, what the fuck is this guy doing? What is this guy? Yeah, what is he blind? They probably think you're like, I don't know, doing construction or something. Well, I have my studio's in the basement, so once in a while, all the lights are on, and the, because there's no fence right now, because they're rebuilding the fence, mm-hmm. I'm sure people walk by and they're like, "What? It's just a blazing light coming out in the middle of the night." Just glowing light out of the basement. That's hilarious, man. Um, yeah, no, the lighting is one thing that it took me a while to wrap my head around, like conceptually what 
needed to be done. But as yeah. time goes on, I realized that most uh, professional lighting scenarios follow the same technique. Yeah. Like they, they light from behind. Oh my God, yeah. And they film on the shadow side of the subject. Yeah. And it pretty much without miss, every single movie, TV show, they film on the shadow yeah. side of the, unless it's like a beauty cosmetic commercial. Well, it gets scary once you get elaborate. Yeah. Because you can like, then you got to like know what you're doing. Like look at Euphoria, for example. Mm -hmm. Lighting in that is all colorful and it's like a lot. Yeah. And it's like kind of beyond my realm of understanding. Like I know what they did, but I'm like, it just looks so good, but it's complex. And then they're breaking all the rules too. And the one I don't know, that's, that's what you want to strive to kind of get like to the point where you're so good at it that you start, your brain starts going above and beyond. And you're like, I could do this better. Yeah. I could learn something else. Start breaking rules. That That's when you know you've reached a certain layer of the onion is when you're yeah, taking, when you, taking crazy chances and it's, and it's paying off. Yeah. You're breaking the rules and it works and yeah, yeah it's cool. Um, Mike, can you tell me a little bit, I know we died, we spoke a little bit in the beginning, like I want to know kind of origin story of you as an individual. How did you wind up leaving the West coast of Canada, which is probably the nicest part of the country? Well, I, so I came here when I was five. Okay. So it wasn't, so it wasn't true. My dad got a job at a, a company called digital, which is out in Canada. Okay. And, uh, he just, we decided that was the best course of action. Right. My family actually all lives in BC again now. Nice. So when I was 19, I was like, you know, didn't want to leave my friends. It was like that pinnacle part where I was like kind of finishing high school and like I had all these friends and I'm like, I'm not moving to BC. Like you're crazy. So I stayed here and I worked in bars. I traveled a lot. I kind of just like lived my life mm -hmm. in my 20s. Like I never yeah. wanted a career. I didn't go to university or college. Just, I just didn't have anything I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Bartending kind of give me that freedom. Love traveling. I love being creative. I love kind of like doing whatever I want. As far as like my like passions, yeah, not whatever I want. Like a like a jerk. Were cameras ever part of that? Uh, early on, I had a film camera early on. My mom took photos, not professionally or anything, but mm -hmm. you know she had a, her Canon A one, I think it was. Nice. And uh, I took photography in high school, mm -hmm. uh, and I really liked it. Like I really liked the idea of composition and being creative with a with a film camera. Yeah. And we did projects with film cameras. I don't touch a film camera now and I probably wouldn't even know how to expose properly, to be honest. I probably would. That's not, that's a lie, but I rely so heavily on the digital stuff now. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, I don't know. I always wanted to be creative and I used to watch a lot of movies when I was a kid. We used to take our bikes and go to Blockbuster in the summer and they had like three for one movies and we would just binge movies like daily. Wow. So, and it was something I never thought I could do. I never thought I could actually make movies. And then once I transitioned from making music and just doing photography to making videos, I'm like, oh my God, I actually understand this. And I don't know if it's from watching movies as a kid or just like a general interest for it. I started realizing that I actually could potentially make a movie. Like yeah. I could, I could right now with the gear I have make a movie. And that was like the most exciting thing that has happened. And I don't know, it might've been from the, it might've been from, the fact that cameras were unattainable when I was a kid, like yeah. a good proper cinema camera was unattainable. Like it was like even DSLRs, they were attainable, but they weren't video like no. monsters. And they're not at the price they are now. And it's become so affordable that I realized that I can do that. Or I did realize that I could potentially do the things that I loved watching growing up as a kid. Yeah. And I think that like in the back of my head, I was like, Oh my God, you can do this. Like you can do the things you never thought you could do. And then it opened a bunch of doors and I'm like, okay, maybe this is like the career for me. And 
I think having all my creativity and freedom and working for yourself and all these things that I like kind of had loved as a child or loved growing up, they all came together. I'm like, I could literally do everything I want to do with this career and be excited about it every day. And I think that's kind of where it stemmed from is just everything in my life coming together. I love that. When did you start? How long ago did you start doing it full time and like going for it? So I've been doing photography for a long time and my girlfriend worked at Henry's, the camera store. Nice. And what Henry's did for her was that like, you can borrow anything in the store whenever you want it. Nice. Right. Cause it That's helps cool. her as a salesperson, but they knew me and every day I'd be like, can you borrow me every single camera that you have in the store so I can test and use it. And through that I got to test and I was shooting like they weren't aware of this and you weren't supposed to like get paid using the equipment, but I was like getting paid. Like I, like you were doing jobs with the, yeah, I'd set up a cameras. gig and be like, okay, I need you to borrow me like the Sony camera, these three lenses like the inside and like, person. And like this. And like the, they didn't care like, right. Cause I wasn't, I was bringing it back the next day. Yeah. Right. And it was, you could only borrow it off hours, but I started making all these videos and I learned so much cause I had access to all this equipment, like mm -hmm. any camera I wanted. So right. So I tried Sony's, I tried Canon's, I tried all the stuff. And then eventually they had a Sony deal for the employees and it was like 50% off wow. or something ridiculous for, for like a month, like a Christmas promotion. And I'm like, okay, buy me this A6500, buy me these four lenses. And I had this full kit for 50% off. And then I used that for a bit and it was like, just living the dream. It was like a tiny camera. I could fly through doing all these things for all these people. And it was so good. And then I'm like, I'm going to go off the deep end and I'm going to buy a cinema camera from an A6500. So I had an A6500 and a C200. Like wow. A thousand dollar camera and then a $10,000 camera. That's I took a big this jump. giant leap and I'm like, and I remember panicking. I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're, <laughs> you're insane. I don't think you own any lights. I think I had a 120D at the time. And that was yeah. like, like one light. I'm like, no problem. I'll take care of this. And then I spiraled out of control, but in a good way. Yeah. I can totally relate to that. When I first bought my Blackmagic 6K, I was like at home, like using it. And like my hands are sweaty. I'm like, what have <laughs> I just done? I don't even know how to use this. Yeah, thing. that's exactly. The and like the footage didn't look the way it looked in the YouTube reviews. No, you know, in the YouTube reviews, they just, they sell you, man. They get your, they, well, you they get your heart and soul with that, like slow motion, like sunset, and, like trees waving yeah. and the, and then I'd get the camera and I'm like taking a video of my cat and I'm like, why doesn't, <laughs> why doesn't this look amazing? I just spent $4,500 or yeah. whatever it was. Oh my God. Yeah. But it was the, it was because of lighting, obviously. Well, it was lighting and like the cinema cameras give you a lot more flexibility in terms mm -hmm. of what you can do with it. Like it gives you a lot more options. You can, you know, dial it in. Right. But you also have to know how to dial it in. Yeah. It's not like a point shoot, like, or like a, like a Sony camera where you're like, it's mostly set up for you. You don't have as much control, but it's a benefit and a curse because then you get this cinema camera with all these controls and you're like, Oh my God, I have to learn this piece of equipment that I paid so much money for. It's funny cause it does less for you, but you can achieve better things. I find like with cinema cameras, I find it, it's the on set kind of workflow that I love. And the fact that you can have multiple hands on the camera as long as they all understand it and you can rig it out and you can yeah. plug in multiple microphones, right? Record right into the camera oh, with a huge two problem. XLR inputs and, you can preview your LUTs on a beautiful screen yeah. and like some of them have built in neutral density filters and oh yeah game changer yeah, yeah so this that's a, that's why like for example like a Sony like what we're shooting on now like this isn't this is like a run and gun like definitely I need a good a beautiful image and I don't have a whole load of time and I don't want to accumulate a whole load of footage so I'll use this 
and then otherwise the other camera comes out. Do you have that kind of similar, like do you use the C200 always? So I don't have a C200 anymore. I sold oh, it. I, I run a C70 now. Is that like the, the really chunky? Yeah, it's of... a little brick. Yeah. Uh, I got it because it was, you could shoot 10-bit color Wow. Uh, on SD cards. And it was way smaller file sizes, like way easier to work with. Uh, and the C200 only gave you 10-bit color if you shot in RAW. So your file sizes were like through the roof. Yeah. And you're like, you shoot a wedding or something, for example, and you're like terabytes of footage. And you're like, I don't, this, like I'm buying so many external things to record or to keep my footage on. I'm like, yeah. Ugh. So I paid off the C200 and I bought C70 and it's been the greatest thing ever because it's such smaller file sizes, easy to work with. It looks amazing. Like that DJO sensor looks amazing. And I don't even know if I want to buy another camera. Like I've seen other cameras and like there's other cameras obviously I would kind of want, but mm -hmm. this makes my life so much easier. Just cause I guess I know how to use it and coming from a C200, it was, it was such an easy transition. Yeah. And then I shoot with an R5C as a backup camera because I still do photography here right. and there and I find them, they match really well. I find the... There's nuances, but I find it's easy to match them. Yeah, that's a that's a beast of a combo. It's oh, I, right. I always want to change it because like you know, like maybe it can be better, but I'm like it's too good of yeah. a combo. They can't like the cameras themselves. I, I they just can't get better. Like in the next five years, I don't see them getting yeah like what that much better where it's justified. Like our we don't have the bandwidth to send <laughs> 8K over the internet. 8K is ridiculous. 8K has a, a purpose. I'm never shooting with it ever. Yeah. Uh, 8K I like for the idea that you can shoot a frame, mm -hmm. then you could punch in to like 400% and still have a good image. So yeah. you're ed editing in a 4K timeline. That means you get two shots per shot. Right. Realistically. But Again, you're using 8K footage. This is like unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't even make sense because everything's really usually broadcast in 1080. Exactly. Right. And 1080 cameras have been out forever. 4K is even overkill for the most part. Yeah. And it, it just, I mean, it, it comes down to story and yeah. like composition at that point. Yeah. I have a lot of people ask me like, well, what camera should I buy? And I'm like, uh, I always say, say like buy, spend one third on the body, two thirds on the lens and then, yeah. and then buy lights always like. Yeah, that's are, a great way to look at it. Yeah, lights are super, super... And, like, so the lighting setup we're running here, it's, like, it's like Amaran. I'm sure you're aware of Amaran's. Amaran's amazing, yeah. It was, like, Amaran, so. Aperture's, like, budget-friendly yeah. line of lights, and they've been solid. Like, you control solid. them off with your phone. and They're so, so good. Mm -hmm. It's cool. We're at a point where you really don't need to spend a whole lot of money on no. some things. You don't have to spend a whole lot of money. And you can still get an amazing result. Yeah, lighting's come really far, like really far, really quickly. Same mm -hmm. as cameras have come really far, really quickly. Cameras are still pretty expensive, but you can get really good lighting. This Amaran stuff is is very affordable as far as lighting goes. Yeah, and you can get so much out of it. Like this is a 200x up here. Yeah, uh, the 300x comparatively that came out years ago, it's like $1,600 still. And the only difference, like the big difference, is like the build quality and like a few DMX things. But you don't need that at all. No. Like, when do you put your lights outside in the rain? Like, rarely. Never. I mean, I've put a garbage bag on it before. <laughs> but a garbage bag's like a dollar, right? Yeah. You're not going to spend an extra $1,200 on a light that can go outside. Yeah, exactly. Um, Mike, this is more of like a fun question here. What, uh, if you could do anything without limitations uh, or constraints, whether it be professional or personal, what would you do? I, I think I would really, like, it's in the same line, but I think I'd really enjoy to be uh, a director. Like nice. a big time Hollywood director with a like, chair like that one over there. I don't like I could ever sit in a chair, but <laughs> showing showing up on set and be like having the knowledge of all of all the moving parts and be like, hey, DP, I want this to be a little 
you know, more moody. I want like some negative feel here. I want this here. Like having the control over everybody and like, you know, talking to the actors, like getting all the things in place. seems like such an exciting, stressful, but exciting job. Like you're in charge of everything. I kind of like the idea of having the knowledge, then using it to make a full motion picture. It would be like, I don't know, be a dream. I feel like you're not, you're not very far from it. I think to be a Hollywood director, I don't know. I feel like Hollywood. Yeah. Well, cut from a different cloth, but I think it would be fun to be Ottawa would director. (laughs) You could go into, you could go into a production and I feel like you could hire a DP and you could hire a, like a grips and then be that director on a small, small type of crew. Like let's say crew of like three to five people. Yeah. I I actually would enjoy that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, maybe I could do that. You could saying it out loud. No, it seems attainable. Yeah. It's nothing's impossible. I like that, yeah. When you peel the onion. Just no. <laughs> <laughs> get back to onion, The giant onion, yeah. The giant onion of life. That's funny. Um, Mike, where do you see, like, I know in terms of products available, like, things are getting a little bit out of hand. Yeah. Where do you, and, and where do you see the future going with, with video creation and with you and video creation? Do you, do you ever consider the future? Oh, yeah. Uh, so the big thing right now, obviously, is uh, AI. Yes. And some of the things video wise in AI, like I'm like, I really need to learn this because it's going to take over real quick. Yeah. Like you look at some of those things the other day where someone can read a script off camera and then look and then be looking directly at the camera and it'll move their eyes. Yeah. So it analyzes the face, changes their eyes to be looking at the camera. So they can be reading a script, like literally off to the side, Oh my! like God. reading paper and it'll, the eyes will be dead set at the camera. And this is uh, an Adobe product. This isn't like a weird, that's off- scary. I, think- I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, it's wild. And I saw something the other day where it analyzes the person's face and they can change the way their mouth moves to speak a different language in the same scene. So, you know, you see so if you're subtitle, dubbing over like dubbing over. It won't it won't oh look dubbed God. over. They'll be speaking in Japanese or Spanish or That's... something other than English. So it opens this crazy amount of doors for production, right? Because you can mm-hmm. just shoot one production. And be like, we'll fix it later. Like, and we won't even fix it. AI will fix it. We'll be like, hey, look at the camera and then it will be done. And I'm sure it's you look at like um the deep fakes and like making all the actors look young in the movies now. And I've read something or heard something somewhere that actors are going to be able to act longer and they're going to lend basically their voice and their image to a movie and they'll be able to reproduce them in movies in the future. And they don't even have to be there. That's crazy. Right? Like, so like, like I think Indiana Jones, like <clears throat> the new one, he looks so much like the young Harrison Ford that it's indiscernible and you're like how did they get this footage it's crazy but it's just like a deep fake like an ai kind of thing learning it and doing it and like that's where the future is going it's going to be so much ai i do find it looks fake and doesn't have that genuine image yet but it's so close now that it's like i feel like in a few years time it's going to be do you use any of those tools personally no i started using the ai uh, like the chat one not Same. not chat tbt i've been using like right sonic i think it's called just to see what it is. Yeah. Because I always like to see how things go. So if someone ever asks me, I'm like, yep, I totally know it. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, it's wild. It's, it is wild. It's crazy how good it is for what it is. And I think it's just like a matter of time before. like the, it's, it's learning itself, right? It's like not self-aware, but it's like mm-hmm. it's teaching itself. And we're teaching it by asking it questions. And it's going to get real smart real quick, I think. Do you find that, are you on the view that we're going to lose our jobs? Or do you think that's a great thing? There's always that concern. Yeah. I'm always like, okay, all this stuff I like, I always like take a pause. I'm like, okay, don't buy anything else. Cause 
shit's going to go crazy and you're going to be with all this gear and not be able to use it. Mm-hmm. But some things you'll never be able to change. Like you try to think of the avenues where you can, like it's an adapter die scenario. Right. So you see things changing. Okay. Well, how can I use it to my advantage? How is it going to help me? How is it going to hurt me? Mm-hmm. What can I do to be on trend? Right. So as far as video goes, there's some video people that are even in the city here. If you look them up, if you look up video in Ottawa, you see some of the old websites and you're like, they're still doing the same old thing. And you're like, how do you keep going? Like the exact old way you did it with like camcorders and stuff. But like, I think it goes down to networking and client base and knowing your audience. Yeah. But that also is a bit of complacency in a way. Like it's such a fast paced oh evolution yeah. that you're almost at a disadvantage. Like if you yeah. don't adapt, you have to adapt. Yeah. yeah. But the AI tools are absolutely insane. Like they are, an incredible advantage because then it gives you the freedom to focus on some other stuff. Yeah. I think I think they will support what we currently do, and it's almost like a secret weapon for those well, yeah, unwilling to explore. Like ChatGPT has been an immensely powerful tool in the last like two months, even even just for idea generation. Yeah, like just to help you. Just yeah, I've been like I've I don't think I've told anyone. I've been writing titles with it. I've been writing. I wrote a script with it. I did, I, I did a product review the other day. It was just for like B&H. I bought something and they're like, write a review for this and enter doing a survey. I'm like, all right. I'm like, hey, can you write a review for this thing? It wrote an amazing review. And I'm like, done. <laughs> like it probably took me the exact same it's amount of time as to write it myself. And I'm like, I just want to see if it could do it. I'm like, that's bizarre. Okay. Using AI to better It's like an assistant, people. right? It's it, like a, it is an assistant. I wonder if it's going to cost, but it's probably going to cost money. It does soon. now. They have, um, you can up it for certain things. Like uh, they both have subscription-based models now. Okay. Like ChatGPT and Write Sonic has like a it's like a twelve dollar a month, but worth it. Like the Write Sonic one, it's like it has categories now for like YouTube titles, YouTube descriptions, wow. Instagram descriptions, uh, YouTube ideas. Mm-hmm. So I could be like, I tried it a couple times. I'm like, write me a few ideas about lighting videos for YouTube, and it will give you like a comprehensive like five different ideas to start with YouTube, and then you can be mm-hmm. like, write me a video about this idea, and then we'll tell you more. The problem is, I find it doesn't talk the same way I would talk. No. And it's not like going off the cuff. So I'm like, I can't, I don't want to use it, but just the, having the ideas in the back, I'm like, Oh, that's a good idea. Maybe I'll make a video about that. Mm-hmm. Just an idea. Cause of something I prompted it to is cool to have. Yeah. Right. Cause sometimes you get like a writer's block and you don't know what to say or don't know what to do. And you're like, Hey, AI, help me, help me today. I'm stuck. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. AI is not going to take over the world. I don't not believe yet. that, but it's, uh, I don't know if it's going to make us, like less creative in the future. It'll make us lazy for a bit, yeah. Yeah. We may see an influx of of people doing things with its assistance and there's the I guess the controversial views of is it cheating? Are you worth as much if you're using it? I well, don't know. Yeah, the the AI uh creator, the guy who created ChatGPT, they mm-hmm. they asked him about it the other day. Somebody asked him like, How are you gonna deal with this like for plagiarism in school? Mm-hmm. And he's like, Well, what did they do when they got calculators? They adapted, like, yeah. and they had to change the curriculum to include calculators, yeah, right. because that was cheating back then too, right? So, if you think of AI in terms of like a calculator or like a device you use to make everybody's life better, then yeah, I guess that's just it's the modern you, calculator. You're gonna have to adopt to it. Yeah, they're not gonna like ban it. No, they can't. It's like the it's it's too big now. Yeah, um, Mike, we're gonna we'll, we'll close this up soon. It's been really interesting to talk to you and kind of I feel like we've very similar types of work that Agreed, we, yeah. that we do. We can uh, relate. Yeah. We can relate, you know, with like cameras and lights and, yeah. 
you know, onions and all, all, <laughs> all those things. Um, check. Check. Still plugged in. Kicked the uh, recorder there. My bad. It's okay. It's um, a kit. Yeah, it's, it's pretty sweet. Mike, so, like, I find one of the hardest things is balancing, like, life and work when you are a person who does it full-time and you're self-managed and stuff. Like, how do you find, or, like, like, do you have a balance or do you find it comes easy? Like, how do you balance work and life and perform and, and be available in both those settings? So I found it very challenging in the beginning because uh, when I started doing video, like, closer to full-time, mm-hmm. uh, I was working in a bar still. Okay. So I worked in bars for, since I was 19, so for like 20 years I worked in bars. Yeah. And uh, so I was always working weekends, like I never had like a regular nine to five schedule. So once I started doing video, I didn't have a limit. I was like seven days a week, I can do whatever, whenever, like it's no big deal. Uh, and then I found that was just redundant and I didn't have a day off, I didn't have a life. I was just kind of like waiting for someone to call me, even on my days off. And I was like, this is dumb. Mm-hmm. So I try to structure my days nine to five, Monday to Friday. Yeah. And I structure the way I want because like I know when I work best and I know how I work best. So if I get to work right in the morning, I can usually work till about 11 o'clock and then I'll go to the gym, have like a long lunch. And then from two to five, I can usually work. That's my like windows of like very productive working. And I usually try and stick to that. So if clients email me after five or someone calls me on the weekend, I just wait till Monday. Wow. And it was a hard thing to do in the beginning. Cause I'm like, I feel always a sense of urgency to reply right away. Yeah. But I think just doing it, nobody got mad. Nobody was upset that I didn't answer them. And if they did, I'd be like, you're not my kind of client. Like, I don't want, I, I need my limits. Like, I need to have, like, yeah, my own thing. And I think having that structure really helps. Like, I, I definitely shoot on weekends. I do it all the time. Like, it's not like I don't do it. Mm-hmm. A lot of my stuff's on the weekends. But it's my choice to do it on the weekend. And if I can have the weekend off, great. And I think just having that structure really helps me keep it in check. And like sustainable long-term, right? Yeah. Like if you have the, 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 it seems like you have some pretty like clear boundaries of what, yeah. what you do and don't like you could easily pick up your phone and answer an email at 10 PM. Yeah. But it may not be a good thing. <laughs> yeah. I do emails right away. Beginning and end of day is when I do emails. I do a zero inbox as well. So I'm always responded by the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, and I hate 2,500 email inbox. Oh my gosh. It drives me insane. If I see that and just like close your email account, start a new one. But I'll get emails from clients and I'll get messages from clients like late at night. And I'm like, absolutely not. Like, I'm not going to open this door for you to come in and like, I, he said this old client, he would call me like, like midnight, like call me at midnight. It's a good idea. I'm like, it's midnight. And then I think that's when I realized I'm like, no, no, I got to cut these people off. And then I'll, the next morning I'll be like, Hey, I saw you called last night at midnight. Uh, psychopath. Like, what can I do for you? Mm-hmm. Send me an email, please. Yeah. I don't know. Just, I think boundaries. And I don't think there was any reason. I wasn't burnt out or anything. I was just like, okay, I got to make sure that I'm not, I got to make sure I'm not going to cross into that seven days a week, like on call at all times kind of mm-hmm. mentality. And I think just knowing it going in, like setting it up in advance kind of saved me. Yeah. Cause like at five o'clock now I'm like, great, I'm done. Like it's my Peace day out. Unless you have something pressing. And well, unless it's a book in advance or, you know. But I, even like I on the editing side of things, like do you do all your, your editing? I do all my editing. Usually in the mornings when I edit the best. Nice. Like 7 to 12. Like I, if I have a small window where I can edit and I know that's the window I have, I'll edit 10 times faster than if I have like all day or, you know, I decide to do it at night. I'll just, I'm just like kind of doing nothing, like slowly doing it. I forget the term for this, but if you have a short window of time to do something in, mm-hmm. you're brain and your body's going to force yourself to do it in that time 
it's like a weird, it's like when people study the night before an exam, most times those people do really well because they get all that knowledge quickly and that's how they learn. They know that's how they learn mm -hmm. and that's how I edit and that's how I know I can edit well. It's like almost a little bit of urgency in yeah. a way. Sense of it, is, it forces me to do. Yeah. But I always do my edits right away. Like I, I never procrastinate or rarely procrastinate. Yeah. I hate when an edit sits in the queue for like longer than two weeks or something. Oh my, yeah. That's my absolute end. I always tell people usually two weeks because mm -hmm. then I, if I have a lot of projects on the go and I yeah. know it's going to take me a long time, they give me that buffer. But I often do it like the next day. Yeah. And then it just good. sits there. I let it sit. It's and, good practice. And I keep it there and I'm like, I review it one more time. I'm like, okay, I'll send it. Seems to be working. Yeah, that's great. From what I can tell. Do you have any insights that you could share for anyone listening who, you know, starting out maybe or dabbling or? My, my biggest thing is, is to make the mistakes. Make right. the mistakes yourself because mm -hmm. you're going to have to learn how to fix it. Like I've messed up audio. I've messed up white balance. I've messed up exposure. I've messed up all these things like a million times over. Yeah. And sometimes when I do a shoot now and I see it going the wrong way and I'm like, Oh no, like I, I shouldn't have done it this way. I know from past experience that I can fix it. And I know that if I change it now or do something now, it's going to mess everything up. So I think just the mistakes and having that like the hard lessons you learn making the mistakes makes you a better person. Mm -hmm. So I think like learn all you can, like obviously shoot it as best you can when you can do it, but take chances, do a lot of your own stuff, like experiment, 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 like practice, practice, practice. And you'll get like so much better that way than just learning somebody else's mistakes because there's nothing more encouraging than the pit of your stomach being like, you messed this up. And then there's nothing better than, fixing it later and learning how to fix it. You're like, oh, okay, I now I'll oh, thank God. Like, right. Cause then you just, it's this like thing you will never forget. Yeah. And sometimes those mistakes are expensive. Oh my God. Like, I, I mean, I fly drones and I've had several expensive mistakes, <laughs> but those are the ones that have taught me the most. Yeah. Oh because my God. in your head, like, don't, you don't you, crash in that building. Don't crash. That building. You learn, you learn, you find the limits. Like I'm a, I'm, I, first of all, thank you for that piece of advice. The mistakes, you learn so much from those mistakes. Yeah. It's, there's so much value in a mistake. Like it's crazy. It, succeeding is amazing and it's inevitable, but there's more to be learned from messing things up and just, you just got to get back up and if, be yeah. like, if you don't make mistakes, you're not doing it right. No. Yeah. And if you're not learning from your mistakes as well, yeah. there's always something, it's always an opportunity to be and admitting when you made a mistake too is a big one. Mm -hmm. Like I've definitely had to make a phone call to clients, but okay, the shoot didn't work out. We're going to have to redo it on my own time. Like I will happily come back and, yeah. and redo this for you. But you know, it didn't work out the way we wanted it to. Mm -hmm. I'll take full responsibility and we'll do it again. Yeah. Right. Rather than trying to just like push under the rug or just pretend it didn't happen. Like or forgetting it. Sometimes it's happened where I've like forgotten to press record or like, Oh my God. Yeah. It, I didn't press. I thought I did. I half pressed it. Or when you're in the <laughs> mode where you're, you're always stopping recording. You think you're stopping. <laughs> I've done that before. You got 16 clips of just like the ground. You're like, Oh my God. It's in between each shot that's happened. Yeah. I've done that at a wedding before. I go home and I'm like, how long did this happen before? <laughs> and you're like, Oh my God. That's when the sweat starts. And you start like, I get like that sweaty feeling. I'm like, Oh my God, this is done. I think that's where I learned to edit the best in the beginning. Was shooting weddings? Well, just I made a bunch of like terrible shots or I hit record and stop. And I'm like, well, I got to make this footage look good somehow. I think that was one of the biggest things I learned in the beginning. It's like, it wasn't so much the clips of like the proper things that happened. It was like the little tiny clips of things you made by mistake that you can use in the edit. You're like, mm -hmm. oh my God, I, this, these mistakes aren't mistakes. This is an amazing transition. This like whip because I 
hit record at the wrong time. You and know? then you but put the camera down or something. Yeah. Oh, those things are great. Those, those things are like great learning lessons that I had in the past. I'm like, these aren't mistakes. This is like gold. And you write it off as abstract. It's <laughs> art. I'm an artist. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a digital artist. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Mike, um, before we wrap up, is there anything you're kind of looking forward to this year in the future? Any projects, any, anything that's, uh, you know, got you uh, excited? I'm excited to do more stuff for myself. I'm excited to get past that hurdle. Just kind of mm-hmm. get myself out there, I guess. Cause I don't know. Sometimes there's not a lot of work or like a couple weeks where you don't have anything going on. Yeah. It's, it's a weird world, the video world. Like you'll have a million shoots and then you'll have nothing. Right. And that nothing time is like the panic time is where like, you just feel like the world's ending. But if you can fill that time with stuff yourself or do creative things that you're excited about, then you'll never lose. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause if the work dries up, but you're still doing creative stuff for yourself and it's doing well, then you're always going to have something fun and awesome to do. And I think that's what I'm looking forward to. It's just kind of getting past that mental struggle and being able to create for myself all the time and do more for me. Yeah. I look forward to seeing some of the stuff that you create. Cause you got some cool videos. Yeah. I learned about an Aperture 600D the other day <laughs> or 600X looking yeah. at your video about it. Yeah. Just cool. Like how you had more, like you were explaining why a 600 watt light is beneficial. It's just that headroom. Yeah. Yeah. The headroom. Um, that's awesome. Like I've, I've learned to kind of identify those times where it's like, where I have a two, three days of like, Oh, nothing's going on today. Yeah. Instead of panicking, I'm like, I'm going to take advantage of this and a, chill. Yeah. Learning day or just like, yeah, do nothing. Yeah. Like just, just do something. Yeah. Do something fun, creative, like outside. Yeah. And I find when I, whenever I come back then after that, I'm like recharged almost. Absolutely. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a dynamic world and it's just, it's always challenging. It's cool to chat with someone who is, uh, you've been doing it more than I have. So it's been awesome to kind of chat with you about about your experiences in it yeah um i feel, I don't know if i did it more than you i feel like i just do different things different things i mean i've officially been doing like full-time video for this is going on year three yes yeah, not, not that far off not that far off okay yeah. that's cool yeah because I, I started full-time with pandemic like that's when my same full-time because i kind of got forced into it and then i got a bunch of really good clients right away because they're like we need video for online stuff because nobody can come to our place. And I'm like, Oh, I could do this full time. for perfect. Yeah. That was one of the best like business opportunities. Oh my God. Yeah. It was like perfect timing to be like already kind of in it. And then all of a sudden explodes and everybody needs it. And I feel like in every like, you know, like world crumbling tragedy or so-called tragedy, there's always like equal amounts, if not more opportunities to be had. Yeah. Silver lining. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, Mike, thank you for your time, man. Thanks for, no, thanks for having me. This is uh, a thank, lot of fun. Yeah. It's been nice to chat with you. Um, yeah, it's good to get to know you. Yeah. yeah. Even though there's a mountain of snow outside, it <laughs> seems like every time we film an episode, there's a snowstorm. No way. So either I'm calling the snow or the snow is trying to stop us, but we're not going to, yeah, my girlfriend's like, you shouldn't go. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm going to go. Like, yeah, I, I thought you might message me and be like, Hey man, like, it's too much snow outside. No, that's what I love. We're, if it kept snowing all day, maybe, but they clear the roads. It's not. Yeah. We're used to this. Like, if you can't go out in the snow, like, you shouldn't live here. I love snow. It's just. Yeah, I love this. I don't love when it rains. I don't love last week. This is great. All day. Just give me snow all day. Yeah, snow all day. Snow yeah. all day until probably the next episode, it's going to be snowing again. I have, I have a <laughs> vague feeling it'll snow next. It's that, uh, it's that time of year, yeah. Next episode. Mike, I'm going to put all of your information in the description, but what's your Instagram? How could people find you watch your YouTube videos? 
So everything's under Motion by Mike, all motion one word. Mike. So at Motion by Mike, YouTube's Motion by Mike. My website's uh, motionbymike.com, even nice. though it hasn't been updated in three years. Yeah. But you can still go to it. Don't tell them. you got to go update it right now before we post this episode. Still, <laughs> still says I do weddings and stuff. Uh, so I'll put all of Mike's information in the description down below. If you want to check him out, you'll learn a thing or two about lighting, about um, kind of some of the stuff that he does with cameras and see his cool studio space and how he's manipulated that with not a whole lot of complicated things, things that you can easily replicate. Um, I wanted to, again, thank Midnight Hour Studios, which is this lovely space that we're in. It is a blank canvas where you can record uh, film, photograph, anything that you want. It's right in the heart of Ottawa. There's an awesome garage door, which makes loading equipment in and out very, very easy. Plus there's parking. Plus there's parking. Yeah. And you don't have to pay for the parking either. It's the best. And... Um, the people who own the place are pretty cool. It's Nick and Jen. We had Nick on episode seven, eight, and we're going to have Jen as well. Jen's going to come on a future episode. Jen's awesome. Yeah. Both excellent photographers and amazing people. Uh, so midnight hour studios is giving 25% off to listeners of the creatives. Just use the discount code, the creatives when you're booking for 25% off. Um, there's also a discord community. So the discord channel sees episodes before they get posted anywhere else. All of this information will be linked down below. All of Mike's information. You can email us if you want to be on the show. You can email us if you want to just say hi, submit questions, anything. All that will be down below. And thank you for listening. This is episode nine. Nine. We're going on. We're about to be on double digit episodes. And I'm looking forward to it. like a whole day of your life already. A whole day of my life. Doing podcasts. Yeah. Time isn't real though. It's okay. <laughs> we made it up. It's yeah. a human made invention. It's just, it's not real. Maybe it is. Hmm. Light is the only thing constant. <laughs> it's the only constant thing in the universe. Light. Yeah. Is light. I love it. Yeah. Anyway, without getting too deep, we'll leave you here. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for watching. And we'll see you on the next episode. Mike, thanks, man. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. There's a plane. I heard one earlier, too. I know. There's a couple of planes. That I, don't, I didn't hear it here, though. I think, I think we can hear it like outside of these. Are they like are these directional? Like they they work better. Like they work best when you just like talk right into them. Yeah. Check check. They kind of work. Yeah. I think they have like a.